we can do it while we're singing if you want to. But go ahead and do the last one. And maybe that'll tell you the people you need to get the mic. As we begin worship today, we're all going to sing together this wonderful song that's in your worship folder within our darkest night. Let us now begin worship as our young ladies are lighting candles. Again, to beginning and within our darkest night, you kindle the fire that never dies away, never dies away. Within our darkest night, you kindle the fire that never dies away. the fire that never dies away, never dies away. Within our darkest night, you kindle the fire that never dies away, never dies away. Within our darkest night, us this morning for worship. We are so glad that you've chosen to join with us this morning together 
in worship. If you are new to Calvary, a couple of things that I would want to point out to you. Um, you're going to need one of these worship folders. It's going to have some directions for you as we move through the service. It'll just help keep you oriented during this time. Some of our songs will be in the worship folder. Some of our songs will be out of the hymnal, and this worship folder will help you know when and where to be there. The second thing is, in, in the pew back in front of you, there are some information cards. And if you would be interested in a member of the staff contacting you, if you've got prayer requests, anything like that, you can fill one of those information cards out and put it in the plate, and we will have that record of your attendance here and also have a way to get in touch with you if you would like that. Uh, over the years, I've taken a number of groups to Ireland, and if you go to Kildare, one of the stories that they tell there is that in pre-Christian times, there were this group of people who would keep these flames burning, these fires burning, on the tall hill of Kildare, the hill of the oak. As Christianity came into Ireland, there was this woman, St. Bridget, who kind of took over that hill in the name of Christianity, and they began to burn this fire, this Brigidine fire, as a symbol, the light of Christianity having come to Ireland. And that flame kept burning. There are records of it um, from historians who went over to Ireland years and years after Bridget's death of that flame burning there on that hill. It was finally extinguished in the 1600s when Catholicism was sort of oppressed in Ireland and then in 1993, that flame was relit, and there are a group of women at this sort of monastery, solus breed, who keep that fire burning each and every single day. And there are times that I, I kind of think about those little old ladies. They're all in their 70s and 80s, and part of their daily routine is to get up and make sure that this little candle, candle this symbolic flame, is lit each and every day, and it's one of the most important things in the entire building to them because it represents that continuity, that tradition that they have had of tending to this flame that signifies hope, signifies peace, signifies reconciliation, perhaps most of all signifies the love of Christ. Join with us today as we begin to consider what it looks like to tend the flame in our own lives.
Heavenly Father, we gather here today with grateful hearts. We praise you as our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, and our friend. We thank you for your word and pray that it will penetrate our hearts and transform us for your purposes. We thank you, Lord, for filling our lives with such a great cloud of witnesses to remind us of your promises and to fill us with your hope. As we worship you here this morning, Lord, we pray that your spirit will fill us so that we will enthusiastically and expectantly shine for your glory each day and forever. Amen. Oh, Jesus, Son of God, so full of grace and truth, the Father's saving word, so wonderful are you. The angels longed to see, and prophets searched to find, the glory we have seen revealed. You shone upon the earth, but who will understand? You came into your own, but who will recognize? Your birth was prophesied, for you were the Messiah who came and walked upon the earth. Your glory we have seen, the one and only King, and now you're living in our hearts. Light of the world, light of the world, light of the world, you shine Heaven 
A reading from the book of Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealer and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. A reading from the book of Second Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to kindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This, this is, is the, the word, word of, of the, the Lord. Lord.
children, please come join me for the children's message. everybody? Pretty good? Well, I have something here with me today, and I could almost call it a candle, but I think there's something missing. What do you think is missing? What do you think? Well, yeah, there's no flame. True. Wax. Very good. Yeah, I don't think this would burn for very long. Do you? Maybe like one minute, if even, maybe just a few seconds. I don't know. What about this candle? 
What do you think? Looks good? It does have wax. You were very right. Do you think this would burn longer? Yeah? I don't know. Most candles. Have you ever bought a candle without wax? No. Yeah, matches do light, but do they burn for very long? They kind of go out like that. Yeah, so in today's scripture reading that we heard from Mr. Bob and Miss Risher a few minutes ago, Jesus tells a story about some women who were in the dark waiting for their friend. It was a big day for their friend because he had just gotten married. And once the wedding was done, the friend and his wife were coming home, but it was nighttime. So remember, in Jesus' time, night was really dark because there were no streetlights. There weren't even any flashlights or phones to light the way. Instead, people had little lamps that were kind of like candles, except instead of wax, they used oil to keep the fire burning. Just like a candle can't burn without wax, their lamps couldn't burn without oil. So in the story, Jesus says that some of the women who were waiting for their friend ran out of oil in their lamps. Remember, no oil means no light. When that happened, these women left to get more oil. But while they were getting more oil, their friend walked by, and everyone who had a lamp with oil in it left to celebrate, while the ones who went to get more oil got left behind. Those friends who ran out of oil ended up missing their celebration with their friend because they thought they had to provide their own oil and light. And you know what? We're kind of like those lamps or those candles in a lot of ways. God wants us to shine with the light of his love and his care, but sometimes we think we have to make our own light. And while we're busy trying to make light on our own, we forget that Jesus is the light of the world, and he can give us what we need to shine God's love. When we follow Jesus and learn from him how to be filled with God's light, love, and care, we can shine brightly like a lamp with oil or like a candle with wax helping those around us better know and see God and God's love. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he can fill us up and help us to shine brightly for him too. It's like our memory verse for this series. You can say it with me if you know it. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Isaiah 61. So let's remember to let Jesus fill us up this week by worshiping him, by thinking about and reading scripture, by praying, and by loving God and other people. Then we can burn brightly for him and for God's love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for bringing us here today and for reminding us that you are the light of the world. Thank you for reminding us that we do not have to provide the light on our own, but that we can come before you and you will fill us up with good things and help us to shine brightly for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything. In your name I pray. Amen.
Calvary, if you don't know her, this is my dear friend and Calvary's former pastor, Julie Pennington Russell. And it is such a gift to have Julie and her husband, Tim, in worship with us today. Julie, I think you've heard that our theme for worship this month has been about God's light and shining with that light. Um, Last week, we shared that Jesus called out to us and said, you are the light of the world. And we named people all across the sanctuary and said that to one another. And so this week, we're asking ourselves the question, how do we keep this light burning within us? I know you are someone who's done a lot of work in contemplative practices, and that's something I've learned from you and with you over the years. And so I'm wondering if you can share with us today a bit about what you've learned about caring for that light that God has entrusted within us. Thanks, Mary Alice. Um, I have to say, first of all, this room is full of light for us, Tim and I, um, regard this community is a sacred space for us always. It's so wonderful to be back with you. Um, I, I, well, first of all, I'll say that I first began to be drawn toward contemplative practices while we lived here in Waco. I uh, began to be part of a centering prayer group uh, led by a woman over at Lakeshore Baptist Church, Judy Prather. Um, And then through my friendship with Betty Talbert, who uh, was the director of spiritual formation for Truett, began to do more Lectio Divina and centering prayer and and just felt drawn along that contemplative path. I would say um, that um, one of the most important things if we're trying to tend the light that God has given us is to remember that God is the source of the light. And so it really just makes sense to, to remain connected to the one who is the source of the light. And I think in a world like the one we're living in today, necessarily it's going to mean uh, easing back the throttle a little bit, cultivating intentionally more spaces for silence, for stillness. Um, we, we live in a rocket speed age, um, but the truth is we still have horse and buggy souls um, and when God is moving in us and speaking to us, it, it, it happens slowly, and, and um, we have to make space for that. So I would offer that. Well, and that's a good segue because you are making space for that in Washington, D.C., which may be the least contemplative space in our country right now. <laughs> and so how do you carve out time and space for these practices even when you're in a place that is stressful or relentlessly busy or divisive, um, what might you offer us there? Yeah, it's true. Nobody moves to Washington for the peaceful, chill vibe um, in, in the air. You know, what, what's uh, ironic uh, and counterintuitive for me is that actually life in Washington in some ways feels more contemplative to me than in other places we live. And I think it has to do with the fact that in many ways, Washington is a walking city. Uh, When we lived here in in Waco and then later in Atlanta, we necessarily drove everywhere because that's that's what you have to do to get places. Uh, So I would zip past neighborhoods and communities and with my windows rolled up and, you know, my music blaring. But, um, But in Washington, everybody walks. And so the pace of life, you know, when you're going to war, we, don't, we actually don't have a car anymore in Washington. We, we metro, we walk, we, um, and, and so 
um, every day when I'm going to work, uh, you know, that, that feel of the, the ground beneath my feet. I have this opportunity to remember I am grounded in God's love, and I see the faces of the people coming toward me on the sidewalk, and I get to be present with them, and we actually meet eyes with one another, and it's, it, there's sort of a, a slowing, which I did not expect in a city like Washington. Well, that's such an important reminder for us as we are zipping along in our cars from place to place. How can we in Waco, Texas live this grounded life and look people in the eyes and be present to these moments? As you know, this has been a season of grief for many of us in the Calvary family. Julie's here because she participated in our memorial service for Brenda Bradley yesterday. And I wonder what word you might offer us on how to care for ourselves spiritually when we're grieving or if we are in a painful or difficult space in life. I, I, I want to say before I respond to that, that um, we were just, Tim and I were um, breathless often as we watched the response of the Calvary family uh, to Randall and Brenda and their family. Um, you were so fully present. Um, and that in itself is a, is a very grounded in God response to pain. Because, you know, we live in a world that doesn't seem to want to make much room for grief or pain. And I think many folk are afraid to go there. And you really went there. Um, and I would say um, that um, one of the most important things we can do when we're grieving is first to acknowledge that we're grieving not to, to compartmentalize it or, or put it away. Um, yesterday, I, I read uh, a, a quote by Elizabeth Yates, who wrote a wonderful book called Up the Golden Stair. And, and, and in the quote, she said something to the effect of, it, it's really only when we call grief by its real name and see it for what it is that we can perhaps come to discover the treasure that's hidden in what she called its, its dark cloak. Um, so I would say just sit with your grief, acknowledge it, and trust God to move you through it in time. Thank you. Last question. If someone is hearing about contemplative practices and how to dive more deeply into this work but really doesn't know where to begin in their everyday life, what encouragement might you offer them? Oh, golly. Well, the great news is that there's just not one way to be a contemplative. Uh, you know, you don't have to, you know, wear the yellow robe and sit in a lotus position. You know, that would be bad news for me in the first place. But You um, are wearing yellow, though. Yeah. But um, I would say, I would say very simply, as with many things, sometimes it helps if you're just starting with a thing to journey with a group of people who are starting with a thing. So maybe, you know, if there's another small group of people who are feeling drawn to lean their lives in, uh, you know, towards stillness and silence and creating more space to connect with God, it might be great to connect with such a group. Well, and that's a great plug for what John Hunt is wanting to get started. On Wednesday nights, he's starting a spiritual formation group here at Calvary and is hoping to do different conversations and experiences all throughout the year. But that is a way that you can connect with a small group and practice stillness and practice some of these things together. So, Julie, thank you for being here. I know many of you will be excited to talk to Julie and Tim after worship.
now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this space be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock, our light, and our redeemer. Amen. Why should we love our enemies? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once asked in a sermon at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. The first reason is fairly obvious. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, he said. Only light can do that. Which is why during this month at Calvary, we are lingering together in the light just a little longer. After the hustle and bustle of the holidays, I know many of us packed up our Christmas lights, put away all the candles, and returned to business as usual. And yet, over and over again throughout Scripture, our calling is to be people who live in the light, not just at Christmas, but all year long. And so that's how we are beginning our year together at Calvary. Last week, we discussed how Jesus told the disciples and those gathered at the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. And he wasn't giving them instructions on how to become the light or a list of qualifications they must meet before he would begin billing their divine electric account. He said it plain and simple, you are the light of the world. But if we take Jesus' words here seriously, I think that means you and I can't live small or safe or hidden lives because Jesus calls us to light our lamps and to put them on a stand for the world to see, which means that you and I were intended to shine. But it also means that you and I have some work to do to keep this light burning within us. And so the question I'd like for us to consider today is this, how do we tend to the light that God has already entrusted to us? Because if darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that, then this light, this spark within our souls is the most valuable, most precious, most sacred part of who we are. And I believe it is incumbent upon us as bearers of God's light to tend the flame within us at all costs. In today's scripture, Jesus talks about the significance of tending to this flame by telling a story. He says, the kingdom of God is like ten young maidens who took oil lamps and went out in the night to greet their bridegroom. But five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were wise brought extra jars of oil, knowing that the oil in their lamps wouldn't last, so they had plenty stored up to last them all into the night. But the five who were foolish did not. 
When the bridegroom didn't show up when they had expected and the night lingered on a bit, everyone began to fall asleep. Until suddenly, in the middle of the night, someone yelled out, He's coming! He's almost here! Let's go get ready! And so the ten maidens quickly jumped up out of bed and started getting their lamps going. But the foolish maidens realized their lamps wouldn't light. They hadn't saved up enough oil. So they began to ask the other maidens if they would just share some so they would all have enough. But the wise maidens said no, there wouldn't be enough to go around. They would need to go out and buy some. And I'm not really sure where you go out and find oil for sale in the middle of the night during Jesus' time. But they scurried off frantically, and while they were away making their last-minute preparations for his arrival, the bridegroom came. And so everyone who was there to greet him was welcomed into the wedding feast, but after that, the door was locked. Therefore, keep awake, verse 13 says, for you know neither the day nor the hour when he might arrive. Now, it's interesting to me that this parable ends with the instruction to keep awake. Because everyone in the story, whether Jesus calls them wise or foolish, falls asleep. And they aren't faulted for this. It seems to me the issue isn't whether or not they are awake. It's whether or not they are prepared. Whether or not they have enough oil for their lamps to be able to welcome the bridegroom when he comes. Now, we might think that the wise maiden should have been willing to share their oil with those who needed more. Wouldn't that have solved this whole fiasco and everyone could have gone to the feast together? And after all, didn't Jesus teach us just earlier in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount that if anyone wants to take our coat, we should give them our cloak as well? (laughs) He said to give everyone who begs from you and not to refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. So maybe the maidens are being stingy with their oil here, and they really need to go to Mrs. Lentz's Sunday school class and learn to share. But I love how David Garland explains what's happening here. He says, one might think that the wise maidens should have shared their supply of oil with those who were ill-provided, but this parable is about spiritual preparedness and not about the golden rule. And spiritual readiness is not something that can be transferred from one to another. The point is that one must take steps to furnish oneself with oil before going to sleep. And I think David's words here are so true. Because try as we might, we can't do spiritual work for one another. We can't do each other's homework in the kingdom of God. (laughs) Sure, we can teach, we can share, we can encourage, we can offer wisdom and insight, we can point the direction and light the way, but there comes a time for all of us in our spiritual journeys when there is inner work that is only ours to do. It's up to us to stay close to the source of the light and no one else can do that for us. And so what does that look like for you? What does it look like for me? Last week at the end of worship, you may have noticed that I walked out of the sanctuary during our benediction carrying a candle with me. 
I wanted to communicate this idea that we are called to carry this light with us, to go out and be the light of the world. But it quickly dawned upon me that I would need to make some changes to my normal routine in order to carry out a candle. I was holding my Bible and my worship folder, my notes and a microphone, and I suddenly realized this is gonna be really awkward if I try to add a candle in there as well. I really knew that if I wanted to do this, I was going to have to set some things down, to let some things go in order to carry this light. And then after I sorted that whole thing out, I started sauntering out of the sanctuary at a fairly quick pace for my standards to get to the back of the room. And I looked aside and I realized that the flame had almost gone out because I was moving too quickly. So I stopped in my tracks and realized that I would have to slow down to walk more intentionally in order to keep the flame burning all the way down the aisle. And then I'm not going to name names, but some of you all looked at me kind of funny as I was walking out carrying a candle last week. <laughs> like, what kind of crazy thing is Mary Alice doing in worship this time? <laughs> but you know, perhaps that's how the world might look at us when we do things differently, when we set different priorities, when we make different choices in order to tend to the flame that is within us. And maybe that's okay. And so within these 60 seconds of worship last week, I quickly realized that we have our work cut out for us if we want to carry the light that God has planted within us out into our world. Like me, are there things you need to let go of in order to tend to the light that is within you? What all are you carrying these days? And what might you need to set down in order to tend to your soul? Like me, are there ways you need to slow down to go about your day or your week a little bit more intentionally? Are there better boundaries you need to set, priorities you need to keep in order to keep your light burning? Are there spiritual practices you want to incorporate to add fuel to your flame? Are there people whose very presence and friendship in your life adds to that flame? And likewise, are there people who sometimes feel like they take away the oxygen, making it hard for your light to keep flickering? To what do you need to say yes? And to what do you need to say no or not right now? How might we, like the maidens in Jesus' story, best be prepared with oil to keep our lamps burning long into the night? I can't tell you the answers to any of these questions. I think they look differently for all of us, and they change in different seasons of our lives. What I can tell you is that learning to tend to our inner light is, I believe, some of the most important spiritual work you and I will ever do. As a pastor friend of mine once said, no amount of information, insight, or skill will provide you with the spark and sustenance you need to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. I think in the daily grind, we almost forget that we are handling fire by mingling with God and by brushing shoulders with the people of God. 
There's this extraordinary power in our bodies. Call it spirit, call it resurrection, call it light that shines in the darkness. Call it the face of Jesus that has been entrusted to us. And it is by God's mercy that the fire hasn't burnt all of us up into ash. The only thing we can really do as fire handlers is to keep a lookout for burning bushes as we walk through life. To add fuel to the flames, to be reverent before a blaze, and to never, ever, ever substitute anything counterfeit for the real spark. You have to strike a match beneath your soul to do the work of God. And so how do we go about striking that match? This is something I believe Martin Luther King and many other civil rights leaders knew how to do well. They knew they needed to light a match beneath their souls to fight the darkness they were up against. And oftentimes they would do this by singing. Ruth and May Harris would literally belt out songs to get through protest in the early 1960s. That was how she kept her fire burning. She was known as a freedom singer. She said singing helped steady their nerves as police officers with clubs threatened to beat them or worse. She said singing kept us from being afraid. We started singing a song, and somehow those billy clubs would not hit us. Civil rights leader Fannie Lou Hamer was known for singing this little light of mine at the end of her speeches. It was her signature song. As one person observed, you've never heard a room flying like one that Fannie Lou Hamer set afire. And after she was finished, you never needed to hear anyone else speak again. The song, This Little Light of Mine, has continued to be significant to this day. In fact, Robert Darden, a journalism professor here at Baylor, says, Ask some of the survivors of the civil rights movement, as I have. Survivors who sang these songs for protection and courage. Why this little light of mine is still sung in the Me Too movement and other movements, he says, they look me straight in the eye and they say, it is because this song is anointed. And perhaps that's right. A few years ago, clergy and counter-protesters sang this little light of mine as they confronted a crowd of white supremacists and white nationalists who were marching and chanting with flags and tiki torches in Charlottesville, Virginia. In the midst of the song, they could hear chants from people yelling, you will not replace us. We'd originally said we were going to stand by silently, one counter-protester said, but they were marching past us, cursing and yelling slurs at us, and we wanted to change the atmosphere. And I knew a song that I thought could do that. So I just broke out into this little light of mine and it shook them. They didn't know what to do with that joy. But we weren't going to let the darkness have the last word. 
You see, friends, if we are going to be people who actively fight against the darkness, we must tend to the light. We never know when or where or how. We may need to pull it out, but we always need to have it ready, to have it available to pull out of our pocket at a moment's notice. Now, I know you all know I like to sing, and I'm sure everyone in this room is expecting me to start singing this little light of mine right now. And I did think about it. (laughs) But instead of singing it today, I would like for us to listen to the passion and the courage and the boldness of Fannie Lou Hamer as she sings it. Because as one person observed, Nobody sang this little light of mine as Fanny could sing it. And so let's listen to Fanny together, and who knows, maybe the song will light a match within us too.
May it be so of us. Let us let it shine. If you'd like to talk with someone today more about what it means to follow Jesus, the light of the world, the source of all of this, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary today. Maybe you would like to become part of our community of faith here at Calvary, where I think you've heard that in times of light and darkness and everything in between, we seek to follow Christ together, hand in hand, in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God is leading you, our ministers will be in the back to receive you as we continue in worship.
most gracious and heavenly Father, you're amazed at the blessings that you provide us. Lord, you put in us a capacity to love and to care. And Lord, we take this time to think about the ways that we can burn bright in this world, how we can reflect your love, and how we can do that at this time with sharing from those gifts that you provide us. May we do that for love, compassion, and to share the glory of your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All praise to the name of the Father of light, one who listens and hears when I call. Every step he ordains, I shall walk without fear. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. What can mortal man do when I'm safe in his hand? He is God on his word, I rely. In the midst of my fear, I will trust in his name. For I know he will hear when I cry. He knows all of my feelings, the depths of despair. All the limits my soul can endure. I will trust in his name, I have nothing to lose. For in him all my hopes are secure. All praise to the all name to of the, the Father of light, one who listens and hears when I call. Every step he ordains, I shall walk without fear. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. God alone can deliver a soul from its death. Lift a life from a wasteland of need. God alone can replenish with blessings untold. Until into his light we are free. We are free. All praise to the name of the Father of light. One who listens and hears when I call. Every step he ordains, I shall walk without fear. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. Every step he ordains, 
I shall walk without fear. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. Calvary family. I'm really excited to introduce you to Kayla Oliver this morning. She is coming forward to join. She is in her second semester at Truett Seminary, but she's from Birmingham, Alabama originally. She is a volleyball player. She played at Judson University where she also ran into Mandy McMichael, and she is thinking about doing youth ministry And when I asked her what made her heart sing, she said community service. So we are so excited to have you and to welcome you into this place. And I would also like to introduce you to Sam and Barbara Wilson. Sam and Barbara recently moved here from Richardson, Texas. Uh, Barbara's a retired teacher and Sam is a retired engineer. Um, They are glad to be in Waco to be closer to their children and their grandchildren. And so life is full here. Um, And when I asked them what they are most passionate about, what makes their hearts sing, they said, helping others who are grieving to find the light, which I thought was beautiful with where we have been in this space today. Um, Sam and Barbara have been in the SALT Sunday School class for the past two or three weeks and are looking forward to, to becoming part of the Calvary family with us. They said they felt at home from the moment they came. So Calvary, I think we have some words to share with all of these new friends who are joining us. In response to you all, if you all want to walk out with Jenny, and I know Calvary would love to to stop and greet you on their way out today, and I'll meet you out there in a moment. As we go today, we know we have several special friends who are here with us in worship who are in town this weekend. Um, We are so glad you're here, Um, friends who have been part of Calvary over the years and are back for this weekend, and what a gift to worship with all of you together today. 
You'll notice that this front section is like totally empty this week, though, and it's because our youth group is on their way back from their midwinter retreat as we speak. And so I know we look forward to hearing all of their stories and about what God has done over their time together this weekend. It's not too late to get involved in Wednesday night activities. They started back last week. Check out your worship folder for more information. And then remember that tomorrow, Mission Waco has invited Calvary to participate with them in some Martin Luther King Day activities. Uh, I'll be speaking on a panel at the Jubilee Theater around lunchtime, along with Sam Doyle from Greater New Light. Um, John will be leading a group helping out with mission projects here at Calvary. You can see the whole lineup in the worship folder. Um, Know that we would love for you to participate with us. Well, friends, please stand and join me in this benediction. May the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.